Oh, we'll just pray. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. Thank you, uh, Lord, for, for what you've done. Thank you for providing the lamb that takes away the death that was reigning over us. Lord, man, we gathered, we gathered together today um, that the work that you've done could be uh, sanctified in our sight, that uh, our hearts and our minds could be filled with, with what you've done to uh, heal us from death and to serve us with your life. Just thank you, Father, that, uh, man, that you come to serve us with rest, that you don't come demanding that we rest, but you come to, to cause us to go to rest by showing us what you've done. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. So I started thinking about the Sabbath a lot the last year or so. And normally I start thinking about these things and it seems like just a side note. And then like a year later, I end up thinking, man, I want to preach about that. Um, and so today I, I want to look at, at the Sabbath and, and, you know, you could think, it's easy to think. I mean, I might even think, what else is there to say about the Sabbath? That seems like elementary, uh, my dear Watson. Elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary. That might seem like elementary. And you might think, well, I mean, what is there to know about the Sabbath? We've heard about the Sabbath. Man, uh, we rest from our works. You know, we, we've, like Jesus said uh, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, he said, you've heard it said of long time. <laughs> Right, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you've lusted after a woman in your head, right, that you've you've laid with her. Well, we've heard of a for a long time now. It's been said that the Sabbath is about we must rest from our works. That that's that's what we've heard. Now, certainly, um, cert. I think you know. I didn't even realize I'm going on a sabbatical, and here I am preaching about the Sabbath. You see how like out of it I am. It's like how do these things come about? <laughs> I'm not as smart as some people think, man. I'm just like stumbling around and the Lord is like, hey. I'm like, oh, I'm like a little child. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, Certainly the, the, uh, the Sabbath has something to do with rest. But is, is the Sabbath, uh, is it about the, the root that produces rest or is it the fruit of rest? Right? What's the Sabbath about? Is it about that which produces rest, or is it about the rest itself? And so certainly rest is included in the conversation about the Sabbath. But what exactly does that look like? And if I'm being honest, there's always many reasons why people are confused. Like there's no shortage in reasons why we confuse ourselves. There really isn't, right? I mean, there's ample opportunity. But I think one of the reasons why um, some, some people are confused um, or there's confusion amongst some people about the Sabbath and, and that they think that the Sabbath is about observing a day or a week or a moon or a year. One of the reasons why I think there, there's confusion in that is because the Sabbath has been described by saying we must rest from our works, right? And, and if that's how you interpret the Sabbath or if that's the foundation that you build your understanding of the Sabbath, uh, on it, it doesn't take that long to get to the place where you could think that it's about observing a day or about observing a week or about ob observing a year and and even in grace um when i when i first came into some understanding of the grace of god and i realized that you know the sabbath wasn't about going to church on sunday right and then you go and look into it and you realize oh well even if we wanted to look at the technical days it wouldn't be sunday anyway 
right? And so that whole idea gets blown up in your mind. And, and so even when I came into some understanding of the grace of God, and I, I saw that Jesus is the substance of what the Sabbath is all about. And, and I would say that. I would say Jesus is our Sabbath. And listen, that's a true statement. It's not, it's not a false statement to say that the Sabbath has something to do with rest. Neither is it a false statement to say that uh, Jesus is our Sabbath. But the way that we describe those things and the way we understand the way those things work, listen, man, will play a big role in whether or not we're experiencing rest. And what I found in my own understanding is that when I would say Jesus is our Sabbath, which is true, and I would say that, uh, th that the substance of the Sabbath is contained in Jesus, the way that I would come and describe that is I would describe that as resting in Jesus. But I didn't really understand what it meant to abide in Jesus. I did, and so then I was all the time trying to abide in Jesus. And right, that left me in the place where I said the good and the right thing is that I must rest in Jesus. That's what I said. I looked at, well, if Jesus is the Sabbath and it's about resting in Jesus, I made a whole nother law out of that. And I said the good and the right thing to do is to rest. And so I must rest, right? You notice how that became a whole nother law? And what happens when you look at it that way, when you think the Sabbath is about how you must rest, really what's going on there is you're still serving the Sabbath instead of the Sabbath serving you. That's what's actually going on there. If we say that the Sabbath is about how we must rest from our works, we are still seeing it as man serving the Sabbath instead of seeing the Sabbath is about God serving mankind. I wanted to name the message that, but then I thought that will upset people, right? And so we'll just save it. The, the Sabbath is about God serving mankind, not mankind serving God. The Sabbath is about God preparing a table for you, not you preparing a table for God. And just to give like a, a spoiler alert, what do you think happens if you see someone else preparing the table? Do you think that you start trying to prepare the table? Or do you... Are you made to sit down? At Thanksgiving, man, I show up at Thanksgiving, and I mean, I, I do help prepare the potatoes, finally. I get involved. But listen, man, I show up to the house, and the table's already prepared. The food's already there. The plates are already out. Do you think that I'm busy trying to prepare the food? No. I see that someone else has prepared the food. Now, that has an effect on me where I'm put to rest because I see that the food is already prepared. And if you go and read... Um, and I encourage everybody to go back and read all these verses for yourself and talk with God about it. And each week, man, I give so many verses that you can go back and read. And I put them on the website if you lose sight of them or if you don't want to write them down. All the notes are on the website. You can go back and read them. But in, in Jesus says in Mark 2 that the Sabbath is not, that man is not for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is for man. That's what he says. He describes to say that, that the, Lord, the Sabbath isn't Lord over man. Well, you think the Sabbath is telling you you must rest. Listen, man, that means the Sabbath is your Lord. Because it's telling you what to do. It's not serving you with something. It's demanding something. And so the Sabbath, it's not man who serves the Sabbath. That has nothing to do with it. And if we understood that the Sabbath wasn't about man serving the Sabbath, we'd never get to the place where we thought it's about observing a day or a week or a year or a moon. We would never even think that, right? And in fact, the very idea that that's what we think the Sabbath is about shows that we ain't observing the Sabbath at all. 
Because the whole point of the Sabbath is for your mind to be set apart unto the work of God, not the work you're going to do or not do. And so it's not man who serves the Sabbath. It isn't something we perform or produce. Rest is not something we perform. Rest is not something we produce. The Sabbath has never been about you must rest. It's always been about God serving you with rest. That's what the Sabbath has always been about. Yet when we talk about the Sabbath, we don't talk about what God served us with. We talk about how we must rest. And that leads us in the place where we're not the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the Lord of us. And we're taking all of our edicts from this we must rest. I want to, you know, if you notice in the uh, scriptures, you guys notice in the scriptures that a lot of the uh, situations with Jesus and the Pharisees happened on the Sabbath? I know that you guys know enough about the scriptures to know that there's, that's no accident. That it happens like that for a reason. And in fact, a lot of Jesus' healings happen on the Sabbath. And there, there's no accident that it happens that way. He's actually trying to teach mankind something about what the Sabbath is. And I promise you, the Pharisees already thought the Sabbath was about we must rest from our works. Why do you think they were so upset about Jesus working on the Sabbath? They already thought the Sabbath was about we must rest from our works. And Jesus comes to kind of like pull the rug out from that idea. And so he comes performing miracles on the Sabbath. And the reason he does that is he's trying to teach us something that pertains to the Sabbath. Because he knows that the Sabbath is to serve man, not man for the Sabbath. And so he looks inside of the Sabbath and he says, I see that the Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so I see that the point of the Sabbath is that the Sabbath would serve man with rest. But man is not seeing what the Sabbath is about. Man is defining the Sabbath by the fruit that's supposed to come forth from the Sabbath. And that's leaving them serving the Sabbath and never entering the rest that the Sabbath is supposed to supply them with. So here I am. I'm God with them. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach them what the Sabbath is about so they can enter my rest. Right? And so we have all these examples in the scriptures. We're going to look at one in John chapter 5. I think this is my favorite one. And we're going to read through all these verses. <laughs> I know I like to pluck some out because we don't have time, but we're going to read through all these verses. John chapter 5, verse 5. The pool of Bethesda, I think, right? Correct? Yeah, Bethesda Ministries. Hallelujah. You know these verses well, brother. We'll begin with verse 5. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie there and knew that he had been now a long time in that way, he said unto him, Will thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. The, the legend was if an angel would come and stir the water, and if you could be the first one in the pool, you'd get healed. Okay, so that's what the guy's talking about. I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming to the water to try to be healed, another steps down before me. Jesus standing there says unto him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. So all that happened on the Sabbath, okay? The Jews, therefore, said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for you to carry thy bed. 
He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? How dare he? <laughs> Imagine telling God, How dare you? I'll tell you what, man, the arrogance of the carnal mind, the arrogance of self-righteousness. Um, and he that was healed didn't know who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, um, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Listen, I don't want to move past this without hammering it. Sin no more in the context of John's gospel. Jesus defines sin when you get to chapter 16, okay? So don't read your own interpretation of sin there when Jesus says sin no more. You see how the guy was waiting at a pool thinking he could be healed if he could get into the pool first by an angel touching the water? Listen, that was a pagan ritual that they were busy with, right? And so Jesus is the manifestation of God with him. And then Jesus healed the guy. Jesus was there to father his life by healing him from the wages of sin or from the infirmity that sin had served him with. And so Jesus, when he says go and sin no more, sin in John 16 is unbelief in the father's goodness towards your life. And so Jesus says, listen, man, in that you see that I've healed you, if you've seen me heal you, you've seen the father heal you. Okay, so go and no longer be filled with unbelief in the Father's goodness towards you. But go from this day forward knowing God is with you to overcome the death in this world and to exalt your life above it and to fill you with his incorruptible seed. Go and know that, right? Lest you perish in the second death. That's what he means, lest a worse thing come upon you. He's talking about the eternal destruction that will come to you should you reject the, the life that Jesus came to give us as a gift, right? The man departed because he encountered Jesus now, and he told, uh, he told the Jews that it was Jesus. You think Jesus didn't know this was going to go down? I mean, Jesus, it's a setup, man. Jesus is like, yeah, this is what's going to go down. I'm about to teach these fools what the Sabbath is. You know? <laughs> Jesus can talk like a hipster. <laughs> he can speak in slang. Jesus is a cool cat. <laughs> the man departed and told the Jews, it's Jesus. He's the one that made me whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. And so get this image of these guys coming to Jesus, complaining to him about healing this guy on the Sabbath. And they're telling Jesus their view of what the Sabbath is. Right? You notice there's other times in the Bible where the, the, the Jewish people, the Pharisees persecuted Jesus over his interpretation of the law. Right? I mean, listen, I just want to tell you guys, the reason Jesus healed that guy on the Sabbath is because of what he read in the law about the Sabbath. He wasn't just willy-nilly out there. He was manifesting the word he read in the scriptures. And so there's times where the other times where the Jewish people come to Jesus, persecuting him over the way he interpreted the law and thinking he was a lawbreaker because of how he interpreted the law. And Jesus would say to them, what says the law? How do you read it? Well, we know the way those Jewish people read the law. Those Jewish people read the law as if the law said on the Sabbath, you don't do anything. The Sabbath is a day set apart unto the Lord. 
And the way they interpreted it, a day set apart unto the Lord, is they interpreted that by, you must not do anything. That's how they interpret it. Well, Jesus is like, yeah, the Sabbath is a day set apart unto the Lord, and I just set this day apart unto the Lord in this guy's heart by showing that guy the work of the Father to heal him. So I just set apart the Lord in this guy's heart by manifesting the Father's work. And so they come to Jesus with their interpretation of the Scriptures. Jesus had just healed this man's infirmity on the Sabbath. He tells this guy, take up his bed and walk. And when the Jewish people heard that, that's against the law. That's why it's not lawful. And so they come to Jesus to persecute him. And it's important that you understand they're persecuting him for how he interpreted the law. What Jesus did there is based on what he read in the law. And so they come to Jesus asking him, why are you healing people on the Sabbath? Which was to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus responds by saying, listen, I'll just read the verse and then I'll add in my, my commentary. But Jesus answered them, my father works hitherto. My father works today. And I work today, he says. If you see me, you've seen the father. That's a predominant theme in the Gospel of John. And so Jesus responds to them coming to him, persecuting him for how he's interpreting the law and how he's looking at the Sabbath and how they think he's a lawbreaker because he's not resting on the Sabbath. And Jesus responds by saying, listen, guys, the reason I healed this guy on the Sabbath is because my father works hitherto and so do I. Now, Jesus healed the guy on the Sabbath because of what he read about the Sabbath in the law. That's why he did it. And so he interpreted the Sabbath in a completely different way. And he got the way, he got his interpretation from the scriptures. So he says that, well, guys, listen, I know when you read the Sabbath that you think the Sabbath is about how you must not do anything. But when I see, read the Sabbath, what I read in the Sabbath is that the Father does work. And the Father does work to heal people from sin. And so I see that the Sabbath is about the Father making people whole from the infirmity that sin has brought upon them. And I am the Father. I am Emmanuel in your midst. I am everlasting Father. And here I am manifesting the work of the Father in your midst on the Sabbath because that's what the Sabbath is about. The Father does do a work. And the Father does a work to sanctify you from sin and death and to serve you with his indestructible life. And I just manifested what the Sabbath is all about in your midst. What? I'm adding some umph for Jesus, right? We think it's like a stoic thing all the time. Thus saith the Lord. Like we think they were actually talking in King James. Listen, you read in King James, and it takes a lot of the body language out of it. It takes a lot of the emotion out of it because it's unnatural to read it that way, right? But I'm telling you, you think there was no flavor in Jesus when he's communicating these things, right? You have, remember, this all happens in John's gospel. John's whole gospel is about Jesus making the Father known. And the way Jesus makes the Father known is by manifesting the work of the Father. That's how he makes the Father known. And so Jesus comes and says, listen, man, you guys don't understand. The Sabbath is not demanding that you rest. The Sabbath is about the Father putting you to rest. 
And so the Sabbath is actually about the work the Father will do to heal you from your infirmity. And here I am, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and I am manifesting the work of the Father in your midst so you could be put to rest and you could enjoy the Sabbath of rest unto you. <laughs> Completely different, man, if you gather thinking you must rest from your works or you gather thinking of the work of God. Completely different what your mind will be filled with. When you look at the Hebrew word for Sabbath, it comes from the root Shabbat. Shabbat. You know what Brown's Driver Briggs, and I only say this so people can go look it up for themselves. Brown's Driver Briggs, Hebrew definition, do you know what that word Shabbat means? To cause someone to cease. To cause someone to desist. To cause someone to cease from their exertion to make one to rest. Notice how it's not a demanding that you rest, it's a providing of the rest. And so if you want a good picture definition of what the word Sabbath means and what it came from, it's like the psalmist says in Psalm 23. He says, you make me to lie down in the tender green grass. You cause me to lie down in the tender green grass, meaning you bring forth rest in me. The psalmist doesn't say, you tell me to lie down in the tender green grass. What the psalmist is saying is, I observe something about you. And the thing I see about you has caused me to rest. That's what he's saying. And I see that you're the shepherd and bishop of my life. I see that you're with me to do a work to serve me with the life that I need. You're with me to do a work to heal me from the infirmity of sin, to hedge me about from the death that's in the world. That's why the psalmist went on and said, you prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. And so the psalmist's mind was filled with the work of God. And that put David's flesh to rest and caused him to lie down in the tender green grass. It's a Sabbath of rest unto you. Do you see how the work of the Father was unto rest for David? The Sabbath is the explanation and the putting on display in your midst the work of the Father. And there's rest for you in the work of the Father. Jesus came to a people who were living by the sweat of their brow. And they were living by the sweat of the brow because of the infirmity they saw in their lives from sin. And Jesus came and said, these people need rest. And I'm here to serve them with rest. I am the Father with them. And I'm going to manifest the work of the Father to heal them from the infirmity of their flesh. So that it can be a Sabbath of rest unto them. So that the work that I perform can put them to rest from their exertion. Oh, man. If you look at the woman caught in the act of adultery, there's Jesus. He's God with them. Do you know what adultery is? Adultery is the fruit of fornicating with your own strength for life. It's the fruit of you trying to produce life by the, the sweat of your brow. And so this woman was busy thinking that she was alone in the cold, heartless little world. I'm sorry, guys. I know I've been doing that a lot. Some of you are like, why are you doing that? <laughs> I always thought it was funny, but me and like my best friend in fifth grade used to say that all the time. And we'd always say, sweet Jesus. <laughs> and so lately it's just been coming up. But that woman didn't know God was with her to do a work, to shepherd her life, to prepare a table for her. So she was fornicating with her own works to try to produce life. And that gave the fruit of adultery in her life. Well, there's Jesus. And what does he do? He does a work to remove the accusation. 
He does a work to remove the sentence of death that was condemning her. He justifies her in the face of the accusers. Now listen, Jesus did all of that on the eighth day of the great feast. Go and read in the book of Numbers, in the book of Leviticus, what the eighth day of the great feast was. It was a holy convocation unto the Lord, a Sabbath. And so there's Jesus again. It's the Sabbath. It's a Sabbath. He's not supposed to be doing any work, but he reads in the law about the Sabbath, and he sees that the Sabbath is actually talking about the work of the Father. And so there he is. He's the Father. He's God with him, and he does work it on the Sabbath. And what does he do? He does a work to put this woman to rest from her exertion, to cause her to rest from her exertion to make her to lie down in the tender green grass. He manifests God with her to be the shepherd and bishop of her life so that she could see God there preparing her a table of life and she could feed from the life he's there to give her. Oh, man. He was serving her with rest. He, it says Jesus is our Sabbath. He serves us with rest. Seems obvious, doesn't it? Leviticus 23.3 says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. In the Hebrew, it would say, a holy convocation unto the Lord. They left it out because they say it at the end. You should do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And so the Sabbath is described as a holy convocation unto the Lord. Do you know what a convocation is? A gathering. So here we are. We've convocated. Is that a word, Gary? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I'm consistent at least. Listen to everybody watching online. If this is your first time watching me online, you will find nothing but consistency. <laughs> because my brain, my heart, my sight, the way it functions is I recognize inconsistencies quick-like and contradictions quick-like, and my heart does not allow for contradictions. It weeds them out. It wrestles with things that seem to be contradictory till God sorts it. Um, So this is a convocation. This is a gathering, a holy convocation unto the Lord would be that your gathering is centered around the Lord. And if you wanted to get more specific, the word holy means to be set apart. And so what it would actually mean, a Sabbath, a holy convocation of the Lord, what it would mean is for your gathering to be set apart unto the work of God. It means that your gathering would be centered around you guys talking about the work God has done to provide you with life. That's what a holy convocation unto the Lord is. It's a gathering where God's work is set apart in your eyes. God's work is set apart in your midst. And you spend all the time beholding the work of God to serve you with life. Now listen, man, if your gathering is centered around the work God's done to serve you with life, do you know what will happen when you behold the work God's done to serve you with life? You'll be put to rest. That's why it says it's a Sabbath of rest unto you. This holy convocation will actually serve you with rest because it's a gathering that's set apart to talk about the work of God. And if you gather and talk about the work of God, it will serve you with rest. That's how you're supposed to interpret the Sabbath. That's what you're supposed to think about it. Now listen, if you realize the Sabbath is actually talking about the Father's work 
the idea that it's a day or a week or a moon or a year gets thrown in the garbage. Because that actually has nothing to do with it. And I could get into a whole lengthy teaching about why the Old Testament picks the seventh day, but I don't, I don't have time for that today. Um, and it would just go along with everything else I'm going to say. So the Sabbath of rest, you know, as Hebrews talks about God will write his law on your heart and your mind, right? And what it talks about there is that God will write in your heart the work he's done by providing a lamb to sanctify you from sin and death. He'll write that on your heart. And so the holy convocation to the Lord or the Sabbath of the Lord, remember Hebrews also goes into there remains a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for those people who see the work God's done through his lamb, right? And so a holy convocation unto the Lord, a Sabbath, is where you are put to rest by your heart and your mind being filled with the work of God to serve you with his life. That's why it's a Sabbath of rest. And that, that's why it says you shall do no work. It's not telling you not to do any work. It's telling you when your mind is filled with the work of God, you're going to lie down in the tender green grass. Like the psalmist said, he, that was a Sabbath of rest unto him. Jesus' mind was filled with the work of the Lord on the cross, and it was a Sabbath of rest unto him. His mind was filled with the work the Father would do to raise him from the dead and to heal him from the body of death and to clothe him in incorruptible, immortal flesh. And it served him with rest when he was on the cross. His flesh was put to rest. Jesus' heart would have been filled with the Father does work. And his heart would have been filled with the work the Father would do. And you know what his heart would have been specifically filled with? Psalm 16. You shall not suffer your Holy One to see corruption, neither will you leave his life in the grave. <laughs> but you shall do a work. I mean, Jesus spent his whole ministry talking about how he'd be raised from the dead. He was set apart unto the work the Father would do to raise him from the dead. And that was a Sabbath that provided or served him with rest when he was nailed to the cross. Jesus says in John 15 that he kept his father's commandment. You guys know that verse? Back to the dictionary of our own hearts that I mention all the time. You guys already decided what a commandment means. The commandment is, you notice how every time someone tells you, yes, Jesus abided in this, it means what he did. Right? As, as like, oh, he served, oh, he, he, he performed ministry, he gave, he loved perfectly, all those kinds of things. But Jesus says he kept his Father's commandment. Well, what was the Father's commandment? You, you know what? If you don't decide for yourself and you let God tell you, you'll actually see God will tell you what he means when he says that. In fact, Jesus himself already told you what he meant by the time he got there. But we tend to read verses and close the book and forget it's there. So what, what was the Father's commandment? If you go and read in John 12, which was three chapters before that, Jesus says he didn't come to speak of himself, but he came to make the Father known, even as the Father gave him commandment. So Jesus says the commandment the Father gave me, the thing that he said he would bring forth in me, is that we're going to make him known. And we're going to make him known in the world. And that was the Father's commandment to make the love of the Father known to the world. That was the commandment. 
That's what the Father and Son came together and said, let us make God known. Let us make you known, Father, in the midst of the world. That's what it was. That's what they're talking about. And you know what Jesus would say? Well, I'll enter into the world. I'll be born of a woman, born under the law of sin and death. I'll be clothed in a perishable body. I'll take the death that's in the world into myself. And there I'll be dying a death, Lord. And then you'll come and you'll show up, Father. And you'll do a work to glorify my body with immortal flesh. You'll do a work to overcome the death that come upon my body. You'll do a work to raise me up in a flesh that can never die again. And we'll do that in the midst of the great congregation. And that's what will make your love known to the world. Because I'm the son of man. And they'll see themselves in my face. And when you come and do a work to raise me up out of the grave, they'll see what's in your heart for them. Glorify me, Father, that it might glorify you. That's what he's praying about in John 17. The commandment of Jesus is to make the work of the Father known. And that in making the work of the Father known, we would know his love for us. And it would be a Sabbath of rest unto us. Oh, man, you get to the place where there's no more room left for you to love yourself. I know we live in this world where, man, we've despised ourselves for so long, we're teaching like we're going to believe that we're good by loving ourselves. Listen, man, God has loved you so much that when you see the love he has for you, there's no more room for you trying to love yourself. Like there's not an emptiness. There's no coming behind. You feel so loved. Raise me from the dead. When Jesus says, glorify me, that I might glorify you, he's talking about the Sabbath. That it might be a Sabbath of rest unto them. We will make manifest your work. Raise me from the dead, and your work to heal mankind from the wages of sin will be made manifest in the earth. <laughs> and it will be a Sabbath of rest unto them. It will serve them with rest. Right? I mean, that's how Jesus was put to, the, to rest on the cross, wasn't it? I mean, it was through the revelation of the Father's love for him that he was put to rest. He observed the Sabbath. Jesus wasn't thinking, I must rest on the cross. That's not what he was thinking. The Holy Spirit interceded in his heart and the Holy Spirit reminded him of the Father's work. That's why Psalm 22, you get down to about verse 24 and it says, you have not abhorred the affliction of the afflicted one, neither is your face hid from him, but you hear him when he cries out to you. The Father will shepherd my life, right? You see how the Holy Spirit reminded Jesus of the work of the Father when he was nailed to the cross? And what happened was that put Jesus' flesh to rest on the cross. His eyes were full of the Father and the work of the Father to save him from the body of death. And what happened was, is because Jesus was put to rest on the cross, and he didn't try and save himself from the cross, and he saw the work of the Father to shepherd his life, what happened was, is that could make manifest the work of the Father to heal mankind from death. Because in him resting on the cross, or him being put to rest, that's the accurate way to say it. When you say he rested on the cross, it carries with it an implication that he produced the rest. 
that he was told from the outside that he must rest. No, man, that's not how it works. It's that there's rest for him inside of the work the Father would do. And his eyes were filled with the work of the Father. In his eyes being filled with the work of the Father, he said, there's no work for me to do. I don't have to prepare the table. The Father has prepared a table for me. And in Him resting on the cross, the Father's work to heal us from death and serve us with an indestructible life could be made manifest in the resurrection. And so He made the Father known by being put to rest on the cross, by beholding the Father's work, because that caused Him to commit His life into the hands of the Father. And then the Father came and raised Him from the dead in the midst of the earth. And then all the people in the earth can behold the work of the Father to heal them from sin and death and to serve them with life. And it can be a Sabbath of rest to all of the people in the earth. Hallelujah. Does that make any sense? And the the resurrection of Jesus is the fulfillment of what Jesus would come and say in Psalm 40. I will declare your faithfulness, O God, in the midst of the great congregation. I will sing of how you picked me up out of the miry clay. And so Jesus yet speaks in the resurrection. No, he didn't speak. In him being raised from the dead, it declared the faithfulness of God towards you. God ain't trying to get you to be faithful to him. You ain't got nothing to give him. Even faithful Abraham, it just means that his eyes were filled with God's faithfulness towards him. Hebrews 4.9. Hebrews 4.9 says, There remains a rest to the people of God. And you can go, you can go back and read the, the letter to the Hebrews. And it starts off, by saying, yeah, God spoke to us in times past through the fathers and through the prophets and in various different ways in times past, but hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. It starts off with that, but the entirety of the letter of the Hebrews is talking about the work God performed in Christ. That's what the whole thing is about. And it's, it's talking about how the father has put on display for us his work in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what the entire book is talking about. The people of God, when it says there remains a rest to the people of God, the people of God, in the context of that verse, are the people whose hearts and minds are set apart unto the Lamb God provided. The people of God are those whose gatherings are centered around the Lamb God provided and not the Lamb they provide themselves. Right. So many of our church gatherings in a different way. We don't bring our animals, but I guarantee you, man, we come to our church gatherings with our sacrifices. What we going to give unto the Lord. And honestly, we think we need to give a Sabbath of rest unto the Lord. We're busy thinking this guy's in turmoil over us. And if we could come with our sacrifices and our good works, then what we're going to do is serve him with rest. Well, the entire book of Hebrews is about your hearts and your minds being set apart unto the lamb God provided and the work that he did through his lamb. 
So there remains a rest for the people of God. And the author of Hebrews is talking about the rest that will come to you from seeing that God has provided himself a lamb to set you apart from death and to set you apart unto his incorruptible life. A rest will come upon you. A rest will be increased in you as your hearts and your minds are filled with the lamb God provided. There's a rest that comes from the hand of God. You know God's hand has rest in it? It has rest to give. It has rest to add unto you, to serve you with. There's a rest that comes from his hand that he serves you with by providing himself a lamb and doing a work to sanctify you from death and set you apart unto his life. There's a rest that comes from the work he's done in his lamb. And what happens is, is as you walk in that good work, you'll find his work serving you with rest. That's why there remains a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for those people who gather together to be mindful of his lamb and the work he's done. There remains a rest that will come upon them by the hand of God, right? That's what he's talking about. These guys in the letter of the Hebrews, they were still gathering together thinking it was about their own sacrifices and their own offerings. They were still performing all the rituals in the law, thinking that they needed to be sanctified from sin. Do you see how they weren't resting? Do you see how they were laboring, trying to sanctify themselves from sin still? And the author of Hebrews comes and says, listen, man, there remains a rest from you. There's actually rest in the work God's done for you. God actually come to do a work to serve you with rest. He is the Sabbath rest unto you, his work. The Father doth worketh, Jesus says, and so do I. And thank God, thank God that when he read the Sabbath, he didn't think it was about him coming and telling us we needed to rest. Thank God when he read the Sabbath, he saw that it spoke about the work he would do to serve us with rest. Thank God he wasn't confused by, by corruptible flesh. We did everything we did to convince God he was wrong. I mean, think about it. No, no, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, man, I thank God for his mercy. I thank God for what it says Jesus said about the law. You know, when Jesus interpreted the law, he says that the weightier matters of the law are justice, mercy, and faith. It's always interesting Jesus and the Pharisees read the law and came out with completely different conclusions. What was you, scribes of Pharisees? You read the law, and you think it's about the work you're going to do. You're so filled with your own works that you're even trying to break out 10, 10% of your cinnamon and 10% of your oils, and you're trying to offer that on the altar of God as if that's going to help you attain to the blessing of life. And he says, woe is you, because you've completely neglected the weightier matters of the law. And the word weightier means you've neglected the point of what the law is completely talking about. And he says the law is talking about that God's eyes are filled with mercy towards you. God sees you suffering at the hands of sin and death, and he's filled with compassion towards you, and he wants to come and serve you with justice. He wants to come and do a work to overcome the death that's warring against you. He wants to come and do a work in your midst so that you can be filled with faith towards him instead of being filled with faith in your own strength. That's the way to your matters of the law. The Sabbath rest. The Lord wants to be a Sabbath of rest unto you. Hallelujah. Man, I keep losing this towel. Oh, it's stuck there. Okay. I need eyes in the back. I thought I lost it again. Colossians chapter 2. 
Look at verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. What it means there is the substance of what those things talking about is contained in Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility in worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head, from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increase with the increase of God. Notice how he says that God causes us to increase through Christ? not through the observing of those days. And so Paul says, don't let anybody deprive you of the reward that's stored up for you in Christ. There's a reward stored up for you in Christ. God came to give you something. He came to increase His life in you, and the way that He does it is through Christ. And he says, listen, this increase that is found in Christ, listen, man, the increase doesn't come from what you eat or drink. And what you don't eat or don't drink. Neither is God's increase found in observing holy days or the new moon or the Sabbath days. Paul says God nourishes our lives with Christ. He says if you think the increase comes from observing these things, observing meats and drinks, observing days and weeks and years and Sabbath days, if you think that's where the increase of God is found, that will deprive you of the reward of God. Because the reward of God, the increase of God is not found in observing those things. It's found in Christ. Now, the reason why Christ is the substance of the Sabbath is because Christ is the work of God. That's what it means that the substance are all these things, but the body, these things were a shadow, but the body is of Christ. Christ is the substance of what the Sabbath is about because Christ is the manifestation of the work of God. The scriptures talk about Jesus as the right arm of God. It talks about Jesus. Why is it called Jesus, the right arm of God? We got this funny saying in today's world, take me to the gun show, baby. Some of you may haven't, haven't heard that. Take me to the gun show. But do you know, you know what that means? Is It's like a flexing out of your biceps. Look at my bicep. Look how strong my arms are, right? Well, listen, man, Jesus is the manifestation of the guns of God. He's the manifestation of the right arm of God. Jesus is taking us to the gun show. He's showing us the guns of God is what he's doing there. And so what, he, what God did through Christ is that God sowed his strength into the earth. God sowed his guns into the earth through Jesus so that we could reap rest from his work. And that's the totality of the Sabbath. If you want the root, the fruit, the whole deal... The Sabbath is God sowing His strength into the earth through Jesus. And we reap rest from the strength He sowed into the earth through Jesus. That's how the whole thing works. I began by saying I didn't understand what it meant to abide in Jesus. But I was very vocal, and I would say, you have to rest in Jesus. Now, listen, that was a true statement. But in my ignorance of what that looked like, I found I wasn't really <laughs> resting in Jesus. 
I knew that that's what it was. But it was like I was a babe still. And I didn't understand what that looked like. But my heart was pure. I just wanted to know. And so it's true that you rest in Jesus. But what does it mean to abide in Jesus? This is what it means to abide in Jesus, since this is a big thing about the gospel. And really the only thing there is for us to do is to abide in Jesus. And the way we abide in Jesus is by having our eyes set on the work that God performed in Christ. So God did something in Jesus to cleanse you from the sin and the death that's in the world. He did a work in Jesus to cleanse you from the death sin was serving you with. To abide in Jesus is for you to live your life in this world beholding the work God did in Jesus. That's what it means to abide in Jesus. That's what it's talking about. And as we behold the work that God performed in Jesus, as all of our gatherings are centered around the work that God performed in Jesus, there's an increase. We will increase with an increase that comes from the strength in God's hand as we behold the work that He's done in Jesus. And that's what the Sabbath is all about. It's about God adding His life to you. It's about God increasing His rest in your life by the strength in His hand. Jumping to the end of the letter of the Hebrews, and we'll finish with this. But jumping to the end of the letter to the Hebrews, the author of Hebrews talks about not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Now we just read that as Gentiles and we think we must go to church. And I mean, it's not that it it isn't talking about going to church. It all depends on the church you're going to, I suppose, and what the assembling of yourselves together is centered around. But he's talking to Hebrew people. And when he brings up the assembling of yourselves together, he's talking about the Sabbath. He's talking about a holy convocation unto the Lord. Well, if you notice, all these guys were gathering on the Sabbath, and their gatherings on the Sabbath were not centered around the lamb God provided or the work he did. Their gatherings were centered around all their own works. And they called that rest. And so then the offer of Hebrews comes, and it's like, listen, man, the substance of everything we were hoping we could get from the law, the substance of everything we thought was contained in us performing all these laws, everything we've ever desired in our lives that we thought we could suck out of these rituals, the substance of all of that is contained in Jesus. That's where we're going to find the increase that we think all these things could give us. The increase comes from the hand of God, not our own hand. And so these guys, all their gatherings were always centered around doing all these things. And so the author of Hebrews is like, listen, after you hear everything that I said, you might ask yourself, what's the point of gathering? Why are we even going to gather together anymore? And so he comes and says, listen, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Only let your assembling be centered around the work that God's performed and not the work you can perform. Let your gatherings be set apart unto what he's done in Jesus. Let your gatherings be centered around. Let your language be peppered with the words of his lamb and what he's done through his lamb to set you apart from death unto life. Because that will exhort you unto the love of the Father for you. That will make the Father's love for you known. And it will add rest unto you. And it will add peace unto you. And it will add joy unto you. 
That's the assembling of yourselves together. He's talking about the holy convocations that Leviticus and Exodus would talk about. That's what a, whole, a gathering of yourselves together. Well, what are we going to gather together around? What are we going to gather around and talk about? Right? Well, if we gather around the work that God's done through his lamb, that will serve us with rest. It will be a Sabbath of rest unto us. It will exhort us or add to us the love of God. Right? That's what it's about. That's the whole point. You gather together and let God be known in your midst. Right? You make God known. You know how you make God known? You know the easiest way to make God known? Preach Christ crucified. That's, that's how you do it. That's, how, that's why Paul said, I purpose to know one thing in your midst, Christ crucified, because that will make God known, right? And that will cause you to increase with an increase that comes from God's hand and not from your own hand or the kind of increase that the world gives. You'll increase with the fruit of God's life, right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you are a Sabbath of rest to us. Thank you, Father, that the Sabbath is not about us bringing forth rest ourselves. It's not about us resting from our works, but the Sabbath is about us beholding your work. Thank you, Father, that, uh, man, you didn't do a work in secret, but you did a work right out in the open. You did it in the midst of the great congregation. You rolled away a stone. You brought Jesus forth out of the grave, and you manifested your work to conquer sin and death in the flesh. Thank you, Father, that you are bringing forth the message of your work. Thank you, Father, that our hearts and our minds can be filled with your work. Thank you, Father, that the meditation of our heart, that all of our gatherings, that all of our communication with one another, it won't be filled with the poison of asps, but that our communication with one another would be filled with the word of your work. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. I love you guys. Have a good day. Thank you guys online. Have a good day.